Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 16, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book and we are on page 90, reading a couple of paragraphs at the beginning. Paragraph 1 for context, paragraph 2 for our focus study as we start out this morning. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps of OA, Mary B., The Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, Donna M., and reading the text this morning, Katie F., Renata G., and Deborah S. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, June 15, 2015, is 7730. 7730. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary B. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Melanie. This is Mary B. recovered in Central California. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his, of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thank you for the opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Mary B. I will now ask Donna M. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Donna M., uh, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Wisconsin. Uh, The 12 traditions, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group ought to be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, or and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for this opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Donna M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page 90, reading a couple of paragraphs. Paragraph one, when we discover, will be for context only, and the focus of our study to begin today would be on paragraph two. And now I'll ask Katie F. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. 
This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they're dealing with a sick person. If there is any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. Get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious learnings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. And, of course, our culture has changed a lot from this. You know, we, um, it's not uh, common for us to have this kind of information, to have this kind of, uh, con- you know, contact with a person's family. But we can, um, we still can take from this paragraph to uh, get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious learnings. As someone indicated, leanings, I'm sorry. Um, As someone indicated yesterday, you know, we have people write a history of their eating. um, And, you know, that's what I do too. I, I, I find out where they're coming from. I find out, you know, have they, just the first time they've, they've been 100 pounds overweight or is it the fifth time? You know, do they have a supportive family or a sabotaging family? Do they uh, work or stay home? I mean, you know, you just, especially with us, you know, being on this phone meeting, we don't know, we can't see each other. So we can't assume that someone is coming at this from the same perspective that we have come at it. And we need to get to know them. And we can't just shove people into the same box that we fit into and, um, you know, think that it's going to work like magic. Um, this isn't a formula that, uh, you know, concrete like a scientific formula. But, um, but it does work. And with enough information, um, we can guide a, a newcomer in the direction that they can find recovery. And, you know, the best thing is for people to identify in, you know, to define the common um, situation that you have with the person, you know. Um, And fortunately for me, you know, I came in um, single, living with roommates, and now I'm married and have children. So I've I've, uh, experienced the gamut of, uh, situations. I was living in a major city. Now I'm living in the country. I've I didn't work for a number of years, and now I've been working for years. So, you know, if someone wants to identify out from me, that is definitely their uh, choice. But it's not a necessity, because, or it's not reality, because I can identify with just about any situation I have been in uh, and been able to keep the food down, because that is our goal. Um, our goal is to not to not to be thin, not to be perfect, um, not to be you know uh, rigid with our food um, to the point that we're still obsessed with it, only in a different way. But a find to uh, have a life that is based on neutrality with food, and then full in every other area. And we can't do that if we don't know anything about the person. We need to. Um, respect them and understand where they're coming from. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Who would like to comment on our second paragraph this morning? 
This is Bella. Can I share? This is Melissa. Okay, good morning. Nessa? Okay, just one moment, please. I heard this morning Bella D, Paula D, Larry K, Melissa C, and one other person, Nessa. Yeah, I think okay. that no, is. Okay. Thank you. No, no, it was Amy G. Amy G. Okay, great. I'll put those in. Thank you so much, folks. I'll I'll start with those, please. Bella G, Paula D, Larry K, Amy G, Melissa C, and Nessa C. Good morning. Okay, good morning, Bella G. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. To put yourself in his place, wow, it's such a a wonderful statement. Yes, to put yourself in his place, it's not a judging and blaming. It's not a relationship like a teacher and a student or a doctor and a patient. We are all here together. We are the same. To put yourself in his place, it's not I know better than you, me as a recoverer and let's say with a newcomer. It's not that I know better than him. You know, we are all here together. It's to know, to listen, to listen to the other person and to share experience, strength, and hope. It's not that I know better. It's only to share experience because he is sick and I am sick too. I can share only my experience my strength and hope. It's not I know better. I am better than you. You are sick and I am not. No, it's a we program. To put yourself in his place. It's not, oh, you know, you have to do this. You must do that. No, it's to listen and to share experience. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Paula D, you're next. Good morning. Paula, press star one, please. Seems I need help right from the very beginning, and I thank you, and a good morning, and thank you for your service today, Melanie, and all that are present here. It starts with, and I'd like, first, my name is Paula D. I am a compulsive overeater recovered by and with the grace of God. And, you know, I'm, I, too, am going to scoot on to this this. Um, this last these last few words where I believe we all were, to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. The tables were turned. The tables were turned. I was that sick person. Today I can identify myself as recovered. But that this is where I can come to when I go there. Paula, this was you. Maybe not the details are different, but I'm not to compare. I'm to identify all oh, that I can do. But look, at, I'm going to go scoot on to the mindful of the time scoot on to that first line if there is any indication what am I looking for I have already found if I'm here and the he is with me or she that he wants to stop that's it Kenny I don't know Willie don't know that either way beyond my job description 
have a good talk. Now, here it is a difference with the person most interested in him, usually his wife. We talk directly here. Isn't it wonderful? Then I just want to do one other thing, and I'm going to scoot and leave that. You need this information. Now it gives you ideas here again to identify him in, to qualify him as a serious drinker or eater, to put yourself in. You need this information to put yourself in his place. You know when you nod your head, you know all of a sudden they look at you. Do you know you can know when you're on the phone that they're nodding their head? You know, yeah, you know. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Grateful for the time I've been given. Thank you, Paula D. Larry Kay, you're next. Melanie, thanks so much. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So, it, you know, here we're 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 learning. You know, again, working with others. Um, you know, step twelve. You know, how am I going to carry this message? Well, I need to find out about the other person. You know, first, is there any indication that he wants to stop? Well, you know what? I used to think, well, I need to really discern that precisely, you know, as if that person had to earn the right to, you know, to talk to me to, uh, so that I could share the solution. That's not what, this, what God has done for me in this program. Here's what God has done for me in this program. Um, what God has done for me is I now want to be of maximum service to the God of my understanding and to those about me. And in order for me to be of maximum service, you know, I need to learn about the other person. I remember what it was like coming in. I came with a diet mentality. I was a manipulator. I was a liar. I was a cheat, you know. And I, but, but, I don't know if you can relate to this. I was a charmer. And so, you know, I, I, I would, uh, oh, I need a sponsor? No problem. I'll get you to like me. You know, I'll say what I need to say so that I can get you to give me what I, what I think, what I perceive that I need. And, oh, thank God, you know, that, um, that, I've, that I've been changed as a result of these steps. So now when I, when I, I pursue, you know, someone, if they, if they contacted me, I try to learn as much as I can about them knowing full well that this is in God's hands. You know, this is in the higher powers hands. I, for me, I didn't, uh, I wasn't in charge anymore. I thought I was, but I wasn't. So what makes me think that if I'm working with someone else that I'm in charge of them and that about the best I can do is I try to discern if they tell me they want to stop, I take them at face value. Um, Now, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? So, um, you know, we'll learn later in in this chapter about what happens, you know, when, when someone's not, we've learned a little bit already. If someone is, is not prepared to stop because I always told my first eight sponsors, that I wanted to stop. And I meant it when I said I wanted to stop. I wasn't kidding. But I had different motivations. I wanted to lose weight. As I said, I was a manipulator. Um, And so my actions told a story that was incongruent with what my words said. So that's the beauty of this this program in, in a certain sense is that, you know, if the person, if their actions suggest that they don't want to stop, that's okay. 
I'll love you. I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere by the grace of God. I'll be right here. But when the per, and that's what it was for me. My ninth, my, my, my ninth sponsor, perhaps I was ready to stop. You know, and, that, and it takes what it takes for some of us. So, you know, um, I don't go in trying to put all the onus on me anymore because what I've learned is that it's, it's God that's in charge here. And when someone's ready, they're ready. If they're not ready, they're not ready. But I am going to try to learn as much as I can about them and how best I can serve God by dealing with them appropriately. Thank God for this program and saved my life. With that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Amy G., you're next. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Wow. Everyone's, I'm not saying anything new here, but let me just go ahead and say that it says here, if there is any indication that he wants to stop. I mean, Katie was right. The culture's a little bit different now. We don't need to go out and look for compulsive overeaters. We go to the rooms and newcomers come to us in most cases and ask us as sponsors for help and to be sponsored. And if there is any indication, I agree with Larry, if someone says to me, I really want to stop, I mean, what's that slogan in the program, come for the vanity, stay for the sanity? I mean, most of us have no clue what we're getting into. At least I could say uh, I had no clue when I came to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. I saw sanity. I saw people that would lost weight and kept it off. But I, I didn't understand the disease or the twofold nature of the disease. But I desperately wanted what it was that they had. And, it, you know, it came as we worked through the program. I started to understand the concepts. But, yes, I was willing. But it says here, is there any, any indication as a sponsor? putting myself in a sponsor's position, how do I understand there's any indication? As like Paula was alluding to, I become a listener. I not only need to be able to tell my story as a sponsor, what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now, I need to also be very, be very good at listening. You know, there's a tendency, when, you know, I went early in recovery, too, I just wanted to scream my story from the rooftops. I wanted to tell everyone, you know, I wanted to take on every person. I wanted to, you know, I so desperately wanted to give back, and I so desperately wanted that immunity from compulsive overeating by carrying the message. And yet it is so important to listen to what they are saying when they talk about wanting to stop, you know, and what their behaviors and their actions are. I have to be able to listen to help so that when I tell my story, I can help them identify in. I don't need to be a shrink or anything like that. I don't have to be perfect like others have said, but I do have to be a listener. And sometimes that's amazingly difficult to do. And I give you a perfect example. I'm on the where and when of our contact in our OA meeting list where it says where all the meetings are. And people call when they want to know where a local Overeaters Anonymous meeting is. I'm one of the contacts for a couple of those meetings. Well, there's a tendency when they call me for me to just want to splurt it all out before I even listen beyond, hey, where's the local Overeaters Anonymous meeting? I need to know and hear where they are coming from. It's very easy to identify in. It's not hard to be a listener, but I just need to remind myself every time when they ask me to be able to also be willing to listen. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy G. Melissa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, when I... um, when I'm approached um, by somebody, because that seems to be the way that it's happened more. I haven't necessarily 
had to seek people out um, just by the nature of of the way that my recovery has worked. And, um, you know, but I also, I need to be a, a good listener because, um, you know, I noticed in conversations, um, natural conversations, I tend to think about what I'm going to say next. And sometimes I'm not listening. You know, that's been a, a flaw of mine, that I'm focused on me, 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 and what it is that I want to say. And really, um, the beginning of um, of working with somebody, I really need to actively listen. I need to hear exactly where they're coming from. And not so that I can decide whether I'm really going to help them, because that decision already has been made. I think just by the nature of my higher power, having somebody approach me, um, for me, I'm, I'm willing. I'm, if somebody comes up to me, I will meet them wherever they're at. And, um, you know, and that's been, for me, a depletion of my ego that I don't have to, um, I'm not interviewing people. If somebody um, wants help, just the same way that, you know, my higher power was there in, whenever I approached at whatever level I approached, my higher power was there to guide me. And I know that my recovery is completely reliant on how willing am I to be of service and help somebody else on their journey. And so, you know, one of the things that I um, ask, uh, uh, along with what's been your history, um, you know, I, I do ask people to reflect about what are their alcoholic foods or their alcoholic food behaviors. Um, and and that, you know, I can begin to, to get to know where they're at. And, and the other thing that I always ask is, um, why do you want to stop eating compulsively? You know, um, and that opens up for me um, an avenue that I can help them. You know, where are they in identifying their problem? Um, and And so, you know, one of the most beautiful things about being in recovery and recovered is the way that I've gotten to know people um, in, in such a deep level, you know, that before working a program of recovery, um, it was all about appearance, you know. Um, are you the right person for me, for my status-seeking? Am I the right person for you and your status seeking, you know, what can you do for me? And um, this completely turns it all around. It's, I'm going to get to know you, so what can I do for you? And, um, you know, and when I have that as my guide, um, you know, then wherever they are in their recovery, I can be of maximum service to them. Even if um, we don't stay a sponsor, sponsee, um, you know, my role might have just been to plant a seed or to show them, you know, one particular way of doing things. And, um, you know, but it's all in my in my higher powers, yes. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Nessa C., you're next. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I just want to say, for me, it's such a treat to be able to uh, be at the meeting live, which I can only do when my children are not in school. Um, I um, I look at this whole page, and to me, the, the theme of this page is wanting to stop. Um, in, the, in, the, in the first paragraph, it says, if he doesn't want to stop drinking. In the second, it says, an indication that he wants to stop. And in the third, it says, ask him if he wants to quit for good. And... 
you know, as a sponsor, it is not my job, my place, or within my power to um, give a sponsee or a prospect the willingness to stop. Um, and I, I know I cannot want their recovery more than they want their recovery. It just doesn't work. And I, I have experience in that because I've been in, in the rooms for um, about 13 years, and I only have like uh, almost four years of recovery. So what did I do the previous nine years? Um, I, I was here, but, and I guess that in itself um, implies some modicum of willingness, but did I really want to stop? Um, and I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I think the answer to that is no, because maybe I would have stopped. And so I know I cannot give a person willingness when, when I, I, I go to a meeting uh, as a speaker, I actually speak about this um, as a service to those who, like me, are just hanging around hoping to get it by osmosis but not really willing to uh, or able, I don't know, to put the foot down. And uh, with regards to, uh, to sponsees or prospects, it says, you know, like not to uh, uh, waste time um, trying to persuade them. I... You know, a year or so ago, a woman came into uh, one of my meetings that uh, whom I knew, and I really wanted to work with her. She just seemed so desperate, and she was crying, and I just felt so bad for her. Um, but she was not willing to give up her bagels and coffee in the morning. Like, the thought just terrified her. And I, I've been there. Like, coffees and bagels were my thing, too. And I said to her, you know what, when you, are, when you want this more than you want the coffee and bagels in the morning, give me a call. I'll be here waiting for you. And, you know, from, I mean, she didn't, she didn't come back to the meetings. But from time to time, I still call her, um, just kind of to keep, to keep the, the link um, alive. Um, no, no pressure still, just, hi, how are you? How, how's it going? And, and just, just pretty, pretty low-key. Sometimes I get her. Sometimes she calls me back. Sometimes she doesn't. But it is not my job to persuade her. It is not my job to um, give her the willingness because I can't. Nobody could give me the willingness. There was no amount of frothy emotional appeal that worked. Um, the first nine years in the room, there was no amount of recovery that I saw in people that, um, that would make me want it. Um, until until I was ready, until I was ready and I was willing to put the foot down and do what needed to be done. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Is anyone else interested in commenting on page 90, paragraph 2? Vasa O. Hi, Vasa O. Good morning to you. This Ronnie. Is anyone else? Yep, there we go. Hi, Ronnie. Have you too? Hi. Anyone else before we move on? Okay, we'll start with that. Good morning, Vasa. You're up first. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for doing service, and good morning, everyone. And I'm Vasa O. Recover Compulsible Leader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And there was really nothing more that I wanted than to stop eating when I came to my first meeting, and I had the willingness they call, I guess later on they, people would say they had the gift of willingness. I, are you kidding? I mean, I had the gift of willingness, but I didn't want to give up certain foods, you know. Um, but, you know, sponsoring others, I don't do this perfectly. It's practice, practice, going over the 12 steps. 
and I get better and better as I go along. I had no clue when I came in the program. I just came to lose the weight. And, you know, I came for the vanity, and I was just going to leave, you know. And I thank God that God kept me there to listen and just listen and listen, you know, that what happens when people leave, you know, or what happens if they don't listen, you know. So my sponsor gave me suggestions. She said, well, do it. You live or you want to die. If you don't do this, then you're going to die, you know. You stay into your addiction. So I did take a lot, a lot of suggestions, and I'm really grateful for it, you know. Yes, I was willing to put those foods down, you know, that um, the allergy food, that uh, the craving with the mental obsession. I thank God I started with a big book, and I was just amazing what I was learning. And I started, physically, I started feeling better, too. And, of course, I wanted to bring everybody. I wanted to jump on the top of my roof of the house and just say, hey, you know, come to OA. You know, it's a wonderful program, and I found the secret to my food addiction and whatever, you know. And I was willing, and this is what happens, you know, when we go to meetings and, you know, we see these newcomers come. The best way to really is to get them when they come to the program. And I've had, I've been uh, the contact person, too, on the phone, and there have been times when I wanted to tell them everything about it, you know. And there have been times, you know what, you better, if you want to come, come to the meeting and listen because I'm not going to splurt everything that I learned in about 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, to myself, I would say that. And some people come to the meeting, some don't. Some come and stay for one or two. They go back or some come just once a week. It doesn't matter. It's in God's hands. You know, I have no control over this, you know, I can share my my experience, strength, and hope, and what I've been able to receive in the through the twelve steps and my higher power, which I call God. And I'm not in charge anymore. God is in charge. So, I'm you know whether whether they come, they don't. I need to continue doing what I'm doing, you know. And, you know, maybe it's a selfish program, but I would be dead if I don't do what I'm doing today. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Ronnie P., you're next before we move on. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, Ronnie P. from Pennsylvania. Um, <clears throat> when I think about this part of the reading, I think about how often <clears throat> I want to control what the outcome is, and um, it's not up to me to control it, and I have no idea what my higher power is up to. It could be that my higher power just knows that this person needs to hear something I'm going to say, and then they're going to go put it into action somewhere in their life. It may not be in the rooms. It may not be in program. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, when I do 12-step work, that alone, the act of that alone is complete. It is complete, and that serves me in that it keeps my head in the game and it keeps me abstinent, and it serves the person who I, who I talk to and listen to because they get to be heard. And I'll sort of ask God, like, okay, just guide my words here, and then I just trust that whatever comes out is what's supposed to come out, and it's going to land with that person however it's supposed to land. And it's not up to me to figure out 
how to make it land. I mean, I want to be as clear as I can, for sure. Um, and then that's it. And my gosh, what a relief. What a relief to not have to control them. I mean, I could no sooner control myself and my program and my food, uh, so I can't control other people. And again, I, I repeat this all the time, but we always say having had a spiritual awakening as a result of doing these steps. And to me, that means all the way up through 12. So each time I do 12, I sort of, um, I sort of experience the awakening again. And so those people who I am able to speak to provide an enormous gift to me. And I'm going to trust that I'm providing an enormous gift to them. And it's up to God to tell them what the gift is, you know. So, I mean, I certainly have had the experience in the rooms where someone will come in and say, oh, my gosh, you said something to me two years ago, and it really changed, I don't know, something with their job or whatever. Now, they didn't get back, you know, they didn't come into the rooms again for two years, but maybe that's not why I was supposed to talk to them, you know. God's got big plans for us beyond just getting people abstinent. Um, He wants people to feel led and heard so that they get to their higher power. And um, so the venue, to me, of sharing and doing 12-step work, I just see that as spiritual work. And I just want it to be a gift, this open-handed gift that I give to someone, and then, thank goodness, it's not up to me to tell them what to do with it. I will be totally open to listening to them anytime, and I'll share whatever I can share. And that's it. Um, I remember talking with someone um, who was sponsoring a few people, and she was upset. She said, you know, they're all, they're all out there, and, you know, they're slipping and sliding. And um, she felt like maybe she wasn't a good sponsor. And I just said to her, the act of caring for them and being with them and talking with them is keeping you abstinent. So maybe that's their purpose for today is that they're supposed to be out there to keep you abstinent. I mean, you can't know, right? We can't know. We want to know. We can't. So let's, you know, so let it go and then just sit back and trust. Uh, So that's all I got. Pass. Thank you, Ronnie P. And I would like to invite Rakefet Z to be our last person to share before we move on to um, the next paragraph and next reader. Good morning, Rakefet. Thank you, Melanie. Um, my name is Rakefta Z, and I'm a com- recovered compulsive overeater in California. And this last line in the paragraph um, is just just really touches me. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. So um, I came to a vision for you a couple years ago now after 15 years of struggling, of relapse on and off in another strict food program, 12-step program. And I was desperate. I was desperate. After 15 years of struggle, I was really, really desperate. And I wanted to get a sponsor, and I was desperate to get a sponsor. So I called up this woman that I wanted to sponsor me, and I lied to her. You know, she asked me a couple questions, and I lied to her so that she would sponsor me because I thought that if I was honest, she wasn't going to sponsor me. So I lied to her to have her sponsor me. And I couldn't live with myself. So the next day or two days later, I told her the truth. And, you know, she, um, the way she, she spoke to me and what she said and the way she approached me about that 
was amazing. I, to me, that was that was the epitome of recovery to see that she could be so kind and so understanding and so loving after I had lied to her, and that to me spelled out what recovery was. And I could tell so much that she was recovered. But this whole idea of putting yourself in the other person's place and finding the words to say, and asking God to find those to give you those words. That's what's just so beautiful about this about this program. And, you know, I she changed my life completely. The way she treated me changed my life completely. And I couldn't lie now if, even if I wanted to, just like it says in the big book. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rakefet. I would like to ask now Renata G. to please read the third paragraph on page 90 for us to study. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsory in New York. Sometimes it is wise to wait until he goes on a binge. The, the family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he's very drunk, unless he's ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who is part of their own recovery. Try to help others who will will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. And, um, you know, I want to focus on the middle of the paragraph and and give um, an example of my journey through the steps before I look at it from the sponsor point of view. You know, uh, when I was on my step four, I picked up the food. And, um, you know, until until then, I, I wanted to stop. You know, I was doing what was requested of me, but I wasn't willing to go to any extreme, like it says here. You know, I I wanted to work the steps, but I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to hang on to a couple of foods that were my food plan that were, you know, problematic for me, but, you know, uh, they were not sugar and flour, but, you know, when I got very honest, I knew they were problems, so... You know, when I when I picked up on my step four, uh, my sponsor stopped the work. We stopped, you know, and she had me go back to step one because, you know, like it says here, it says do not don't deal with him if he's very drunk because, you know, if I'm trying to carry the message to someone who's, you know, in a fob, with some, you know, someone who's, you know, drunk with food. This person is not going to be able to grasp anything I have to say or any, you know, of the steps. You know, the doctor's opinion explains this to us very well. That's the reason why we need to be entirely excellent to, to work the steps so we can we can grasp it. And, um, you know, when I went to my step one after a couple of days and I started to clear up, then, then I could see, you know, my powerlessness. Uh, with this disease before that I couldn't you know and uh, even though it was you know 
my free, you know, it was just like a one-day binge. It was enough. You know, this disease had finally convinced me that I was completely powerless, that I had no control over it at all. And just, you know, only then I, I started to work the steps as if my life depended on it. And only then I was willing to go to any extreme to be recovered like my sponsor was. You know, and so today when I work with someone, you know, if the person keeps picking up the food over and over and over, that only shows to me that, you know, this person's not ready yet, this person's not powerless yet. Because, you know, when, you know, what I believe is when we really feel our powerlessness and I'm ready to do whatever it takes, I'll do whatever it takes to keep that first bite down while working through the steps. You know, and I try to read with my sponsees every day to make, you know, the process best because they know it's just, we're just in a race against the obsession of the mind. And, um, but that's all I can do. You know, all I can do is uh, put myself out there and be available as much as I can and, you know, share my experience. And uh, my experience was that the food had to convince me, not my sponsor. And uh, with that, I bet. Thank you, Renata G. Looks like we have time for three, perhaps four people to share at three-minute intervals. Who would like to comment on this particular paragraph? Kathy Sally. K. Sally. I hear Kathy K. and Sally A. Anyone else? A couple more, maybe? Chrissy? Leah. Chrissy and Leah. That should round us out. Thank you so much. Good morning, <clears throat> Kathy K. We'll start with you. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and thanks for everyone on the line. Uh, this is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And um, I've had enough experience now sponsoring to see uh, how complex the issue is uh, when a new sponsee finds herself slipping um, uh, as we're working the steps. And I wanted to share that for me, uh, my response to that situation has uh, sharpened and clarified for me over time. Um, I, I, the one thing I don't do is uh, say, I can't work with you. Um, but what I do do, in addition to asking for uh, you know, history and and probing the moments of slipping um, or binging that may occur is to um, ask the sponsee uh, if she hasn't done so to uh, work with a nutritionist because in many cases people have been unwilling to give up certain foods that they think are okay um, and it's only after really thoroughly looking at what food plan is going to be best for them um, that they're able to stay abstinent. So I have never uh, equated a slip or a binge with a lack of willingness, um, but instead something um, perhaps on the physical plane uh, is uh, still undermining the sponsee's ability to stay abstinent. Um, with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Kathy K. Sally A., good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, A Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. So, um, as has been mentioned by one other person, that um, there's a lot of ifs on this page. There's um, actually six ifs. There's six questions. If he does not want to stop drinking at the top of the page, next paragraph, if there is any indication he wants to stop. And then in this paragraph, we've got three ifs. If he wants to quit for good, if he would go to any extreme to do so, if he says yes. And, and I, too, want to focus in on, and, of course, there's one more if at the bottom of the page. But interestingly, when it says if he would go to any extreme to do so, I just marvel at that sentence because who would have thunk that it was going to look so extreme to my family what I do in this program? Um, and I just wanted to give a couple of examples of, of what they see. And it's, it's, I marvel because I just have come to a place that I just can't be sick anymore in the food. I cannot be in this sick relationship with food anymore. And I am willing to do anything. That's where I got. But my family's reaction to what I was willing to do was, you know, it's kind of interesting for me now to look over my shoulder and see their reaction to the extremes that I'm willing to go. I was willing to deny my genes and my environment. I'm Italian. Isn't it Italian that I'm going to eat pasta and pizza for the rest of my life? Aren't I supposed to be really into food? Food, glorious food, of course. Number two, forever, forever, that I'm not going to have this forever? This is my kid's reaction. This is my sister's reaction. What do you mean? Can't you just let your hair down for this one holiday? Can't you just do it? This, can you just taste it? Can you just please taste it? Sally, it's just coleslaw. Can't you taste it? No, it's not on my food plan. I can't taste the coleslaw. Thank you anyway. This is their reaction. At the holidays, my sisters and I, for years, we were binge buddies. We're not binge buddies anymore, and it's very uncomfortable for them to see me not participating in the binge buddy routine that we're, so, we're all so used to. Can't you be spontaneous? Can't we just go out and have an ice cream cone with the grandkids? No. Mom, can't you just this one time? No, I can't, not even this one time. When I pulled out a scale in a restaurant, that seems to have been the most extreme thing I've done in front of my family in the last three years of recovery. My daughter's reaction was, Mom, you're making a scene. I said, honey, it's just a, a tiny scale. It's, nobody sees it but you and me. Mom, trust me, you're making a scene. No, I'm not, I'm not making a scene and I'm not putting the scale away. I'm going to weigh my food before I eat it. Working with others, that seems to be the most extreme thing. The fact that it just keeps going, that there is no end, that my children actually feel like they have to make an appointment in the evening to talk with me because I have all these different things scheduled throughout my week. I just want to say, what a wonderful life. What a fantastic life I live. How awesome to be out of the food and walking in the way that I'm walking. I'm so glad you're doing it with me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Chrissy, you're up next. Hi. Hi, Chrissy, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. Thank you so much. All the shares have been so inspiring. And it's, I, for myself, I, I need to get that inspiration from other recovered people because it, it can it can be it can be difficult 
um, and discouraging. It could be difficult and discouraging. And even to remember how it took me 23 years in another program to really get that I was powerless over the food thing. Because for me, I got into another 12-step program and the compulsive overeating in, in, the, in the way that I had known compulsive overeating, binging until I passed out kind of compulsive overeating, was removed from me when the other substance was removed from me. So it, if, when I um, then progressed to anorexia, it was very, um, it was, it was, sorry about that. It was very hard for the, it, the disease had a grip on me like I, I, I can't. And I was so defiant. Anyone who told me that I was losing too much weight was out of their minds because I was not an anorexic in my mind. I was a compulsive overeater. So it, the, the, to, for anyone to come to me, in fact, many people did. They, my friends came to me with tears in their eyes and said, Chrissy, what is going on? You don't look good. My father, who, my father, like, I could dye my hair purple and he wouldn't notice, came to me with tears in his eyes. Chrissy, you're too, you're too skinny. So uh, just to wrap it up really quickly, I just want to say, when I work with people now, I can hear the defiance. I know it so well. And when I hear the defiance and someone it has has the resistance to doing, you know, it is just about making a friend with that person and planting a seed that was shared so beautifully in other shares yesterday and today. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. And Leah M., you will end our meeting this morning with your share. Good morning. Thank you so much, Mel. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, wait for the end of the spree, or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good. If he would go to any extreme to do so, you know this is not about arm twisting. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, as a sponsor, um, we let the disease do its job of convincing. You know, even even our text, which was written with the sole purpose of helping uh, others, uh, says, you know, if you're not convinced you are what you might, you know, say you are, uh, you know, go out and drink. It's going to be worth a bad case of jitters to get a full knowledge of your condition. So even the big book encourages uh, sponsors to actually escort people out the door to have another uh, round with their disease in order for them to be beaten to a pulp, beaten into a state of reasonableness. I mean, I didn't know what I was up against in this disease, and I didn't know the depths to which this disease would take me. But there came a point, you know, uh, I had to experience my powerlessness so that it would become the launching pad of desperation to seek and find power. And that's exactly... Uh, the same dignity and courtesy, so to speak, that I give with people, you know, who come to me for help. Uh, the, the text goes on to say, if he says yes, and his attention should be drawn to you as a per- person who has recovered. You know, we are a very unique group of people. We are people who are real compulsive overeaters, 
who have had an experience as a result of turning the pages and applying uh, the directions of this book, and we have recovered. I mean, if you have a toothache, who do you go to? You go to a dentist. If you're having a heart issue, you visit your local cardiologist. If you need to recover from compulsive overeating, uh, we do have something that other people don't have. And this isn't about glorification of self, and this is not about uh, something that I myself achieved. But the big book uses recovered because that word shows a complete change in one's attitude. It is the advertisement to the compulsive overeater who still suffers that I no longer have the illness that I used to have. Yes, I understand your pain. Yes, I used to suffer like you do. But I never, but I don't have that experience any longer because the compulsive overeater who still suffers deserves to hear no less from me. And it's not an issue of being full of pride. I'm humbled by the clear knowledge that I was unable to accomplish that on my own. I had to surrender completely to submit myself to this process and admit that I was powerless, and only then could I find the power that has caused my recovery. So, yes, we do have something that other people need, and uh, offering that and carrying that message uh, is is serving God in the best way that we can. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah M. And it is time to close our meeting. And we will close like we usually do with the reading from the big book on page 164. And we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Will Devorah S. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Devorah S., are you with us? Press Hi, here I am. Okay. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Devorah S. in New Jersey, Recovered. Thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.